Warning, the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Rewind. Joining me today to talk about Inception is Cookie. What's up, everybody? And Regent. How we doing, everybody? Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? I am very excited to talk about our movie today. I'm amongst the living, so that's pretty exciting. Fair point, fair point. Okay, so Inception was released 2010. It was directed by Christopher Nolan. It has a 8.8 out of 10 on IMDb, an 87 on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 74 on Metacritic. So this was my first watching of Inception. I've had it on Blu-ray for a while, and I just haven't taken the time to actually sit down and watch it. This has been a movie that I've heard of for years, literally since it came out 11 years ago, and I've had people recommend it to me, say it's their favorite movie and they rant and rave about it like it's the best creation ever and i gotta say like i think all of that hype left me a little disappointed at the end of the movie now i'm gonna stay here before we get any further i think this movie is a very good movie i think it's really well done i would say it is a work of art and it's definitely original but when you hype a movie up too much and you hear that hype for 11 years and you go and watch it you're gonna walk away a little disappointed other than that regent how do you feel about this movie I would have to agree with you because this was coming off the back of one of my favorite movies. I mean, from his, at least from his catalog. So from Christopher Nolan's standpoint, this was, you said 2010. So during that time period, Dark Knight was literally two years ago. And that's still one of my favorite cinematic movies as a whole. I really do believe this movie was trying to bank off the hype and the providence that this previous movie he did. I don't want to say coasting almost. It was just riding that wave of momentum to that he was banking on another guaranteed, like, hit and it was a hit but it wasn't a movie that made me like get out of my seat and go i need to see this day one in the theaters that's just my opinion on the matter that's fair cookie how do you feel about it i really enjoyed the film i have a long history with the film and i definitely disagree on some elements with you two i can understand though where you're coming from about the whole hypeness i mean i saw it when it first came out i'm not gonna say week one or something like that but the trailers had me interested enough i will also say at that point christopher nolan had a lot of just very good films that he was making i'm not gonna say very good as in like oh my gosh i lose sleep over it like memento the whole batman begins dark knight i don't feel like he was coasting on his success of like whatever I touch his great movies I feel like he really does put in just so much effort into what he makes that people do feel confident that what he's making is a very good film and that's kind of where I wanted to disagree from is that especially with this film one of the things I found out on my recent watch because I, I almost watch this movie every year pretty much saw it in theaters then I got it on blu-ray immediately and then I really enjoy it to the point though it took almost eight years to make especially for the script so that's why I don't feel like it was one of those things where it's like okay guys let's just rush out a movie and keep making some more money I just feel like he just needed the amount of time to really make a good film and make it make sense because the concept is a very difficult concept to sell well to a general audience I would say it's almost like time travel sometimes it's like you have to create a lot of rules and kind of make your own universe and with this being an original story i think there's a lot of credit to be given to the film 
Oh, absolutely. I, I can agree with Cookie on this. I don't think Christopher Nolan was riding any sort of hype train. I do genuinely believe that he wants to make movies that he believes are good. And I do think he does make excellent movies. I've liked every movie I have seen of his. I can definitely see where you might be coming from where people can have that perception that did this movie garner more success because of the success of the Dark Knight trilogy? I can give you that. Any response, Regent? Yeah, you're saying your opinion. I'm not here to tell you that, at least in this circumstance, you're right or wrong. Appreciate your feedback. Okay, Cookie, you mentioned you had a, a long history with this film. What's that history? With my background, I've spoken about a handful of times on the podcast that I did go to a college, especially that had a lot of different arts, including film. And I had a lot of a friends who watched movies and we would do deep dives. This was already on our list, especially because of Dark Knight and a couple of the other films. Like, I think... To be honest, I saw Memento probably after Batman Begins and maybe even after Dark Knight. That was a great Nolan film. And at this point, we just felt confident Inception would at least be worth paying a ticket for. Oh my gosh, I remember my experience because the music, this is the part I would feel sorry for. I don't know if Regent saw it in theaters, but especially for you, Venture, it's definitely a theater movie experience with it being dark, the loud music. It really helps you feel like you're in the action with everything that's going on. And then after that, after getting the Blu-ray, watching the making ofs and seeing passion that Nolan had behind it, this to me is just one of the best pieces of filmmaking I've seen, or at least just I have personally seen and have enjoyed. And that's why I have a long history with it is that every rewatch, I find something new. And I found some new information on this rewatch that I would definitely like to share during our podcast this time around. Overall, though, that's essentially what my history is with it is it started out as a deep dive into the art making and stuff. And then I just became a fan and just like to rewatch it for entertainment. There you go. I don't know if I missed out on too much of a theater experience because I watched this on a 5.1 surround sound with a 65-inch 4K TV in the dark, and I had it at a pretty decent volume to where I could definitely feel the vibrations in the floor, hear the music be overly loud in some places, but it's nothing quite like the theater experience quite yet. I will upgrade my system to that point, maybe one day, but I got a similar theater experience. Yeah, I would say from an experience standpoint, some of the pieces that really pop that I hope you were able to kind of really get that energy from is especially when they do a lot of the the kick sound, you know, they had that like classical sound. It's tuned to be louder than everything else and to make it kind of a little bit harder to hear some of the other things on purpose, because that's kind of like if you were in the dream world like them, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to kind of over sound everything else. And then the other one is especially the doom, doom like that like it's supposed to kind of almost be a little bit obnoxious but that's also because of the threat that's going on it's supposed to be kind of intimidating like that and catch you off guard it was just those kind of elements that i really enjoyed even on a rewatch i'm the same way like i got you know the big speakers that can make the the big boom sound and i make sure to always listen to it at a certain volume so those things really kick and i can really fill it with the watching of the film yeah regent what's your history with this film like I said earlier, it wasn't a movie that made me drop what I was doing to go see it when it came out in theaters directly. My first, I would say, pass of the movie had to be when I was in college. My roommate at the time, he had the movie in his collection, and I had Dark Knight in mine, which was actually kind of funny that we pretty much had all of Nolan's collection up until that point between the two of us. So him and I and a couple of our mutual friends at the time sat in our rec room and watched it. And this is back when our rec room was the lobby for the dormitory, so students were coming in and out 
mouth. Like, okay, we're watching this movie? Cool. We want to sit there and watch it too. Then our RA and GA, the residential assistants and graduate assistant, brought out a popcorn machine and started making popcorn for us as we were watching this movie. That was my first interaction with said movie. And then again with the podcast as of this previous week. Yeah, my history was I watched it Monday night. That's that's about my history with this film. But yeah, I had heard of it for years. I saw trailers when I was growing up. I think I would have been 11 when this movie came out. So weird to think that I watched it Ooh, 11 years later. I did enjoy this movie, so let's go ahead and actually dive into it. I really enjoyed the concept of going into other people's minds and putting them into like a dreamlike trance. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was a good use of cinematography, camera work, and storytelling as a whole as a way to capture so many different things and tell a heist story. But I think better so what did you guys think about the different concepts that they used in this film the heist element was really great i really enjoyed it i always like those kind of movies where you like you get a ragtag team of group of people especially when more than half of them this might be their first time working together don't know who each other are and they bring such strong qualities to the table i just really like what type that that they brought because there's some traditional heist elements in the film but because this was a dream especially for as a viewer you don't know because this is christopher nolan and and anybody else who helped him wrote it this is them creating their rules for the movie and i really like like that like okay we have to have an architect we have to have this person we got to have these elements that's coming in and it was it's a great film that way because there's tears to learning about what's happening in the film there's always just watching the story for story's sake but then you also kind of have to learn the rules because there's nothing else like this that i know of that was ever made so it's almost like playing like a board game that no one's played before it's like well you can't just go in knowing how to play you actually now need to learn the rules so this can make sense and you can enjoy it. it was just one of those elements that I also enjoy. And to be honest, I have to rewatch it numerous times to pick up more things. It's definitely a film I don't believe you can get everything within a single watch, maybe even within two, just because there's layers to it, which is coincidentally what they do in the film as well. Definitely cool things to play off of. And there's so much in this film. And I am actually excited to go back and rewatch this film to see what else I can learn and what else I can see on a rewatch. What about you, Regent? Okay, I can't statistically state how many times you guys literally reach inside my mind and take my thoughts and literally lay it out, like, as I pipeline, like, A to Z. Get out of my head. Please stop leaving my head red free. That was perfect, Cookie, what you were explaining. Because to me, that is the same way with me. When I watch this movie and the first time, and I'm usually one of those people who tries to take as much time as I can to process everything and appreciate the work that goes into it. Even I had a mind bender during this movie, and I had to try to rewatch it again just to process what I missed. I absolutely do enjoy a good heist movie. I do enjoy all the layers that they made into this movie, what it was, from at least from start to finish. And I absolutely did appreciate the actor's work to make it as realistic in terms of like a mental cognitive thought the dream world was supposed to be, and some of the little bits and pieces that they laid for the foundation throughout the whole movie was just fantastic and i'd like to kind of talk a few points right quick is some of the things that i feel like i learned better on rewatches and i wanted to throw some of these your way just in case you probably already maybe on your first watch got this or maybe even for listeners this might be something they might not even thought of before but some of the things i pick up more on rewatches is the characters within the dreams it started making more sense why locations 
and why I'm just going to call them extras, kind of like the bodyguards and stuff like that or security in the dream state, why they could interact without the main person knowing. And it made sense to me as in the human mind is so complex that it could actually operate individual humans in that world and it would base it off of real life experience. So if you could imagine that everything that happened in each of the dream states, the person that was the mind that they went into, their individual mind had to have all those experiences. So in other words, what I'm saying is that everything that happened was because that human brain has seen it before, maybe on TV in real life, like in the elevator scene where Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he like choked the guy until he was unconscious. And whenever I see that scene, I'm like, okay, that would only work if the main person that they went to their brain had understood that when you choke someone that way, they would pass out. Because otherwise it just wouldn't make sense for him just to do that in someone's brain and that brain didn't comprehend it. Right. And I think, isn't that part due to his military-like training? Yeah, that's what I mean is the brain knew that, not that he was capable of physically doing it. The brain itself that they were in, that dream state, yes, it's like, okay, we understand when this happens. And I just think it's really cool because that's happening in the background. Like someone's conscience is literally keeping all that stable, the entire world, every individual human. And it's pretty much going off of auto mode because that's just how strong the brain is. It's one of those things that on a rewatch, I appreciate even more. I think I noticed that to a degree because they did say it's like the subconscious and that it's literally an act of your mind that you can't control it. So anything it does is due to just the subconscious mind. So I picked up on that, but maybe not to the degree that you're talking about. I want to throw one more your way for that is it was a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing was it kept the mind stable. The bad thing was the mind couldn't protect itself because of it. The brain was so busy just creating a real world that it didn't pick up on that these people are doing these things and this is dangerous. Because you would think if there's a threat, you would start waking up. But it would, it just, the brain was so intricate, it, it could only pick up on certain things that it was a threat. Otherwise, it thought that this was a real experience going on. This is a normal thing. I just thought thinking like it that way, it was like really cool concept. Definitely a cool concept. Like we said previously, there's so many different layers to this film and different things that you can learn on rewatches. And that's something I'm going to be paying attention to on my next rewatch is how each of the different dreamers mind their subconscious, their projections, I believe they call them. Yes how they act. So that's going to be something I pay attention to. One of the things I wanted to talk about was you guys know Elliot Page's character, right? Mm hmm. Why didn't they let that character do more of the like world bendy stuff? That would have been insane. And I love it. I know it makes sense story wise, like you can't break the world. Otherwise, they'll figure out and they'll wake up. But just seeing more of the world bendy, trippy stuff would have been amazing. Honestly, I think it's due to the fact that their role in the film was basically thing was a point of view of us being in that room at the same time or in that scene at the same time of the film because they were trying to explain what they were processing. We were basically running that coaster of a movie as if we were Elliot Page. So I think that's basically what it was that they were the liaison between the rest of the cast and what's going on visually in all those levels or levels and spectrums and feeding it to us. And we were trying to digest it as they're trying to process it themselves. I think Venture was just asking pretty much why didn't she just do more? Because you remember there was that when she was learning, she folded the the world like that shit was cool. And that's what I'm picturing. He's asking is like, why didn't she do more of that? Like folding the, the world or doing some, some crazy stuff. If I had to be honest, I think it was just budget. <laughs> 
<laughs> like just being honest. I mean, I know that kind of takes away from the story element, but you still got to deal with just the amount of time and money it makes to do these kind of graphics and stuff. And I think that probably is ultimately why. Because I think it wouldn't be cool. Like, if you're in the dream state, especially for how many layers they went in, like, and she was that good of an architect, yeah, hell yeah, I agree. Like, she could have done some some even more cool stuff. Like, I understand why, from a story standpoint, they didn't go that route because, like, they said it would break the world and the dreamer would, in fact, wake up just due to knowing that this isn't reality. Yeah. So that's, like, story-wise, but I can understand from a studio standpoint that had to have, that had to be expensive because, like, the next movie where we see something even along the lines of this type of CGI to where they're literally folding cities in on itself is Doctor Strange, and that's six years down the line from this film. Oh, yeah, and definitely a bigger budget, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's Marvel and Disney, so. I think you you hit the nail on the head. If we want to go by story-wise, that actually makes total sense is that, yeah, they you got to be careful and not make something crazy because the dreamer will be like, oh, yeah, I'm in a dream. This is really weird. Because once again, another cool element that you kind of have to start thinking about is that's like real life. When you have a dream, when things start going crazy, that's when you kind of start clicking like, wait, hold up. Oh, yeah, I think I'm in a dream now. Things like that. I do want to, at this point, just because I remember to ask this, do take a couple minutes. So years ago to kind of give you a preface is that i i'm actually really like the whole concept of dreams and I've, I've read some studies and so forth i'm not like some major dream expert it's more of a hobby kind of thing a couple years ago i went on my facebook and did like this quick poll about dreams and i asked do you remember your dreams and it was crazy it was almost about half and half there were a lot of people who did not remember their dreams and then there's other people who could remember their dreams almost like it was real memories i'm one of those people i when i have a dream i mean i I could draw it all out, write it all out. I remember as if it was like yesterday. It really blew me away because that's that's always been my whole life. I, I remember dreams I had as a kid. I remember a bunch of dreams. That's something first I'd like to ask you two is, do you remember your dreams? And if so, how vividly? I do remember my dreams. I actually just had a dream literally the other night about tax evasion and lasers to some capacity. <laughs> it was a pretty wild dream to where someone was evading taxes. I don't remember who it was, but there were lasers involved. And I think they were just laser pointers, not like lasers on a wall trying to protect something. Oh, that's what I thought when you said lasers. <laughs> sharks, lasers, laser sharks. <laughs> but yeah, that was a dream I don't really remember details about, but there are dreams I can remember from, say, 12 years ago that I can remember down to the detail. Here's a fun one. So you guys know the Wendy commercials where they're like, our beef is fresh and we don't cut corners and that's why they have the square patties mm -hmm. and they're never frozen? Yep. Okay, my brain decided one night we were going to watch one of those commercials and then go to bed. And so my brain just came up with the wackiest thing. I walk outside and I'm looking at my grandparents' garden and there's these Wendy's employees in the Wendy's garden and they're pulling up what looks like carrot stalks and they pull out ground beef frozen square patties. Like, <laughs> oh my, <God. laughs> my look of horror on my face as the wendy employee just disappears with the patty into thin air the dreams you have but that's really <laughs> cool that you do remember i actually have a uh, i have a couple dream books throughout the years it's not something i normally do but from time to time if i start having like a bunch of vivid dreams i just find it really cool to just start writing them down mostly because i kind of have my own theory about dreams that if there's time i might take a minute or two to explain that it's just something cool but how about you though regent how are you with dreams do you remember them especially vividly from the past and so forth 
So as of now, as an adult, no courtesy of sleep apnea and the CPAP machine and also multiple sleep studies. As a child, I remember a lot of dreams, but they were usually tied to personal events. So traumatic stress, triggering cognitive thought. But I also didn't dream as much because I also was traumatized from watching a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Going in a dream and something terrible happened to you and you don't wake up. So like I remember like a lot of stuff from those movies. And I always like taught my brain, like if you go to sleep, don't think of anything. Just pass out and just go to bed with a clean sleep don't think of anything ran for going to bed so it might not always be great to show kids horror movies when they're younger <laughs> facts i mean subjectively yes traumatically and psychologically no so bringing it back to the film i do want to drop some quick trivia just a handful of things i actually didn't find a lot of trivia behind the film other than the effort it took to making of it because it was a lot of research went in and so forth but especially on my most re recent rewatch i mean who knows what this one is like 10 or 12th watch but i was surprised i didn't even pick up on this that so you know the fishers that's the the main guy that they were trying to do the inception on and his his father that was the dying father near the end of the film or i guess at any point really that had the father they had a little picture of when he was younger with the kid which is you know the the son in the film i didn't even know the actor who played the son all he did was put on like a wig and a mustache and some glasses and that's him in the the picture it's it's not zoomed in close enough that you would be like oh gosh oh i can't believe i missed this but it's just one of those little subtle details that's really cool it's like oh, okay they they actually just used the son to be the younger version of the father as the actor so i just thought that was really cool it's just something that i never picked up on when you watch a movie so much you just start watching the, the little things and another cool note was about how dicaprio Leonardo DiCaprio helped with making the story because Nolan pretty much wrote the story and then once he picked a good actor Leonardo he read the script and he actually helped do a lot of revisions that actually made the movie better and a movie to what it is most sp specifically is a lot of the character elements apparently when Christopher Nolan wrote it it was going to be more about the concept than the character arcs and that's what Leonardo brought to the table is bringing more of that like hey cops is doing all this this happened with his wife so I don't know what to what degree like I don't know if, if it was his idea about him trying to get back to the states or he was the reason why his wife died and all these other things but either way to the point though I just thought that was really cool where an actor can help improve a film especially for how good the film is because I, I know for you all it's kind of a you know it's just probably an average to good movie just to watch but the movie has a lot of good ratings everywhere so it's just impressive that an actor did help improve that not only just with acting but writing yeah leonardo dicaprio is definitely a very talented individual yeah and you didn't grow up with him being what do we call what do we call him back in the day regent back in the 90s because you know what i'm talking about dicaprio wasn't what he was is today if you're gonna call him a heartthrob i'm gonna reach through this microphone uh, yeah there we go <laughs> Ew, don't you dare he was that pretty boy everything he did he was the cutesy guy I'm sorry, Jack. This this door is not big enough for you. You have to drown. Romeo and Juliet. Like I really did not care to see nothing with Leonardo DiCaprio in the '90s, and there was just a huge shift out of nowhere in the mid 2000s. And I loved his work from there on. You can thank Titanic for that. I mean, the first film I ever saw Leonardo DiCaprio in was What's Eating Gilbert Grape. It's a good film. I enjoy it. I go back to it frequently. One of the things I wanted to bring up is you guys know the ending of this film, right? How everything's back to normal and he goes back to his family and then he spins the top and that's the literal finale of the movie. Oh, it's a huge argument over the ending of the film. Did you know that the argument has finally been solved? I wrote it down, so I want to see if we have the same thing. Okay, so 
before you two give your answers, I'm just going to get my imaginary bucket of popcorn from my current dream state and just start eating. Okie dokie. Here we go. So apparently Michael Caine was talking to Christopher Nolan before the movie even came out and he wanted to know what was real and what wasn't for him. And Christopher Nolan said to him, any scene that you are in is reality. So anytime that Michael Caine appears on screen is in fact reality, according to Christopher Nolan. And in the finale of the movie, Michael Caine is seen greeting Cobb, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, as he is home. Therefore, ruining the mystery, or I say, unveiling the mystery of, is it real or is it fake? That's what I have come to discover. Oh, wow. it's pretty good. Well, I have, when Michael Caine, before he saw the movie and before he read the script, let me stop. It's the same exact thing you had. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Literally word for word, pretty much. Yeah. I was always on the side that it was real, mostly because that would have been just so fucked up if he was still stuck in the tree. Uh, that would just been such a, oh gosh, I wouldn't say it was a horrible ending. It's just, it would have been a depressing ending because when you really think about all the stuff that happened and once again i say on rewatches the movie becomes darker for me on rewatches because i think when you first watch it there's just so much to take in especially in the beginning but i mean you're talking about people in the movie some of the wealthiest companies wanted to pretty much kill them or they would have took them torture them and then kill them so that's already one element and then another element is when you think about character essentially killed his wife it was one of those things where it's like he didn't push her off the building but he also did create that inception and you could argue back and forth and, I, and honestly i already know we don't have enough time to even just talk about that element of the film is like could he have done a better job because you could also argue she kind of went cuckoo after a while she got too caught up into the dream world but not diving too much in that but to the point though is the more i rewatch it the darker the film gets it's like elements like that where i'm just like oh my gosh like these people even though it's cool what they do they're kind of in a lot of fucked up situations i don't know if y'all really picked up on that during during the film Oh yeah, that was definitely something I kept noticing throughout the film is that they're never in a good spot ever until like the end of the movie and even then it's still like aren't they really in a good spot? Yeah, I know, right? Because, I mean, just because he got his name cleared, which at the end of the day, what are we talking about? Is that, like, you're cleared of murder or, hey, it's okay for you to come back to the States. You're not going to be sent straight to jail. There's layers, which I'm glad they didn't go into it. But more of where I'm just trying to get at is knowing all that just for the movie to end on a dream state would have been depressing. <laughs> so it just, it helped lightens the load. Like, okay, he got to go back, see his kids. Yeah, so which makes the whole like intentional mystery even worse and a little bit fucked up. Like they sit you through this movie full of pain, suffering and depressing shit right at the end when you think everything's happy. They never show you the top drop, which I like that just because of the conversations you can have, because I've already had a bunch of conversations throughout the years about the ending of the film. And I always like just hearing different people's take, even if people believe that it was still the dream state for whatever reason. I enjoy those conversations. So I will say that before I figured out about the whole Michael Caine thing, I was on the side of it was dream state, and I can explain why very briefly. I'm a firm believer in that unless a person involved with the film comes forward and says, well, this is actually the intention, then that can change the film. But other than that, what you see on screen is the story. And if you never see the top drop, then that is the truth. And if you never hear an audio cue, even after the screen goes black, it's not confirmation. You need to actually see it happen. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. That's why I do enjoy sometimes when they leave it just to interpretation. I think that was a, just a great touch. 
before we move on, Regent, what did you think about the way that they chose to end this film? I mean, the best way I can think of it is there's not many movies out there that choose to do a cliffhanger resolution. There's always that positive or negative ending in a movie. So in this case, him coming back to the real world or him being stuck in a dream or even the worst case, you know, being dead in the movie. So it was definitely a surprise. And I can also tell that a lot of my friends, when we watched the movie in our viewings, that it got a reaction out of them. Basically, it got them to stand up going, oh, what the heck? What what actually happened? But now that we know essentially what happened, no need for a debate anymore. No need for theories or ca- craziness. Yeah, which at the point I am relieved. I'm also a little disappointed I never got to partake in any of those. So it's like a little bit of sadness, but also like, hey, I know the answer already. You had to wait. This came out like two years ago. So people had to wait nine years to hear this information. People had to wait nine years. And I'm just like, I know it 24 hours later. Well, I, I think personally, it wasn't a big deal enough because it's not like you're watching a Marvel series or something like that. It was just good piece of entertainment. So it wouldn't have to me, it wouldn't have ruined the movie. It I would have just felt sad for the character like, oh, man, sure. It would have been nice to see a positive ending for him. And then to see that, I would still have conversations because I think you could still argue kind of what you said earlier without seeing confirmation. It's still up to interpretation in some form. Is it? Is that the ending? Is it really? I do want to add something else that's pertaining to the dreams, though. I didn't know until I looked this up. Leonardo DiCaprio's character, so Cobb. Cobb's didn't, only within the dreams, Cobb's would wear his wedding ring. And I know it's at this time around. So in the real world, he didn't. You know, I never just, I just never really like looked at his hands that much. But you see, they're always cutting away from his hands lots of times in the dream state, or even in the real world sometimes to kind of keep you guessing. But the times that you can see it, you can see a clear distinction is that he's wearing his wedding ring whenever he's in a dream state. And in the real world, he doesn't. And at the end of the film, I didn't double check when he's at the house, but when he's at the airport, he doesn't have the wedding. So that's another cue right there that that's supposed to be back in the real world. Apparently, there's a lot of different clues at the end of the film to give away that it is, in fact, reality. I didn't write any of them down, but apparently there's like four or five little clues to tell you that it is reality. One question before we close off here is, you guys know the whole state of limbo and how like you could be stuck down there for 10 years and when you come out, you'll be useless. Like you're, you'll be brain dead. Yeah, I've heard something about that. Okay, so they said it wouldn't even take 10 years in the outside world. It could just feel like 10 years on the limbo. So here's a quick couple questions. There were three characters that went in there. There was Elliot Page's character. There was Leonardo DiCaprio. And then there was Soto. However you pronounce that name, if I mispronounce it, I'm sorry. But none of them came out with mushy brains. And how did they not get trapped if they could just die and be brought back to reality? Why didn't Leonardo DiCaprio just kill his wife in the limbo world? without trying to do inception i think those are a couple different types of questions because the the part about let's say okay cops character and ellie ellie page for those two i feel like they weren't down there that long so that's understandable in real world that was only seconds you know if if at best because they were only down there for a few minutes now soto's character that's where i could argue with you is like hey that's a really good question because he was old by the time leonardo finally found him so that one is definitely an arguable thing which is why i wouldn't call the film perfect for that reason things like that so when it comes to the final piece you brought 
brought up about Leonardo DiCaprio and his wife. I think that one is just because even if you're in a dream, you still feel you feel like things are real in some ways. It's not easy just to kill your love loved one, you know, like your spouse, even if you're thinking it's a dream kind of thing. And I think that's part of the movie. Like, that's why he hesitated. Even even the times that he's like, I know she's dead. And he, and he would say, like, but what if she's not dead? Because that's that's just what happens to you when you start going into your own subconscious. You start second guessing yourself. You're like, well, I mean, I see her. She looks like she's real. I, I can't just pull the trigger and shoot her. Whereas in reality, if if he was in the real world, he would piece that together. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. Of course my wife has died. That that was just in the dream, but he was in the dream state too. So I think that's kind of the other challenge too, is like when you start going in dreams and all that jazz, you're not as fully capable as you are in the real world. You're still having to use your mind and you only have so much control over your own brain. But I know I'm kind of going super deep with it, but to the point where I'm trying to get at is that I think his emotions hesitated from him to do killing his wife to, to wake up and stuff. That's all the questions I had about this film. I think we covered a vast majority of the different topics and things. Are there anything else you guys want to bring up? No, I'm good. All right. Well, I'm going to take a couple minutes for my wrap up because I love this film. There, There's just so much to cover this film. I could literally talk for hours, especially in each section of the film. But one of the things I do want to cover kind of earlier in the podcast, I spoke about kind of my theory about dreams and stuff. I'm not going to go into some full like conspiracy theory kind of crazy stuff, but I do feel like there's some elements that relate to the film. And we kind of spoke about it is like your brain needs to have seen this thing for it to exist in your dreams. So in other words, like I seriously doubt a human being could dream up something that they've never seen before. And that's kind of part of my theory is that just like with happening with Venture watching the Wendy's commercial, it's things like that is like your dreams pull from things it's seen at different points you know, and kind of creates a story from there. And one of the cool elements is that, and they talked about it in the movie too, is that when you're in a dream, by the time you notice it's a, it's a dream, you've been in the dream for a while. You don't just start like, boom, all right, dream start. No, you, you've been seeing images, a story has been going on, no matter how crazy it may be. And then once you become aware, you're like, oh, wow. Like, I've been dreaming. And then you have a short time period where you are, you know, you might be in control of your dream or you can kind of manipulate your actions. And then eventually the dream crashes. And that's kind of what happened in the film. So it's little things like that that I find really cool when it comes to dreams and stuff like that. But wrapping it all together, I love this movie. I really, I, I like dreams as a hobby as well. Just thinking about that kind of stuff. I think it's very interesting that we do not have a definitive answer when it comes to dreams. That's also something that's super interesting that even in 2021, it's still a huge debate amongst specialists and experts in the field that no one can really come to a consistent agreement about what dreams are and why we have them, which I think is like, that's really crazy for all the other stuff we can solve in the world, but we, we still can't even figure out why dreams happen. By the way, on the film, I think he took, Christopher Nolan took a heavy subject, did really well with it, and it's a film that I think everybody should watch. It's in my top 20. I hope our listeners all give it a watch if you haven't already. Otherwise, we didn't talk too much, but I think the soundtrack is freaking amazing. Of course, the graphics is really well done. So it's a movie that's 10 out of 10 in my book, and I'm so glad we were able to talk about it. Like I said, I thought this movie was really good. I walked away a little disappointed, but I am excited to rewatch it. And this is a film I will rewatch. So for me personally, as a viewing experience, I would give this an 8 out of 10. But for cinematic, I would easily give this a 9. I think this is a super solid film and it deserves the recognition it's got. Maybe just don't hype it up for 11 years. Other than that, well done. Christopher Nolan did a great job with this film. What about you, Regent? You said the scores that I was thinking. There you go. All right. So, Regent and Cookie, thank you very much for joining me for another episode. 
It's been a pleasure as always. No, no. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for listening. And if, if you did enjoy this episode, a like, share, review on whichever platform you happen to be listening to currently. Also, another free way to support the podcast is to tell a friend or share it on a platform, texting, social media, share it with a friend. We would greatly appreciate it. I know some people who have DM'd me and said that they've sent them to friends. If you're one of those people, thank you. We appreciate you. Again, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, we'll see you in our dreams. Not real life dreams. You get the point. Have a good day. Thank you.